Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, U.S. Gamers' official RPG podcast. It's 2017, and we are beginning another year, another year of appeasing the Blood God with another offering of RPGs. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me today is, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, welcome to New Game Plus 2017. Is it New Game Plus, or are we continuing our adventure onward and upward? Because, as you know, the adventure is never complete. That's true, but given how, you know, miserable 2016 was, maybe we'll just kind of cut part of our losses and do a new game plus from here on in. (laughs) Or you could say that each year is essentially one major, like, playthrough, and we are, like, starting back over. But with the accumulated (laughs) XP and abilities from the previous game. So I suppose it really is a new game plus. Yeah, we'll put all our our skills to good use in in the new year. I hope everybody had a good holiday vacation. Um, I know for you, Nadia and Hanukkah just like ended. Um, yeah, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> like it actually bled into the new year. It did, and that's that's pretty rare. And um, let's see, I didn't do anything special for Hanukkah, but I did burn my finger on a on a candle, so that was oh. a thing. Oh, that yeah. sounds painful. Because my dad was like, "Okay, you light the candle," and I'm like, "Oh, okay," and I'm bad with fire, so mm. <laughs> that went badly. I spent the week. Um, I spent my week off cleaning. <laughs> oh, that, that's not a very adult thing to do. I know. It was horrible. <laughs> like the entire Christmas weekend, everybody's like, oh, I'm with family and everything. I'm like, I am cleaning. <laughs> I cleaned on the, the 24th. I cleaned on Christmas Eve. So that was a thing. The good news is all of that cleaning like was really great because now my apartment is so fucking clean. It's amazing. Oh, that's nice. So your cats can mess it up again. Oh, my cats won't mess it up. He's he's a good cat. I did play. Uh, I did play a lot of um, what's that? SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. Um, I'm still playing that freaking game. <laughs> I bet I'm still playing Final Fantasy 15. So there you go. Oh, how far are you in Final Fantasy 15? Uh, certain events happened uh, oh. with uh, spoilers. So you're and, in the back uh, half of the game then. I'm definitely in the back half of the game. Hmm. I was a little bit. There was a fight on a train, and uh, that was. That was kind of heartbreaking, the whole thing, but... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we really need to do a spoiler cast um, on sometime. that one uh, this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe see if we can get Jason Trier on the show uh, to be able to talk about it. Uh, I, I think the time has come. Uh, I think and so. I, I yes. think we're there. Uh, and, of course, you've been playing Persona 5 Golden, right? I have, indeed. Talk a bit about that today, I guess. Yes, we will. And continuing on, we're going to have couple of announcements uh for the new year uh we are going to talk a little bit about news we're going to do headlines for 2017 and we're going to talk about the rpgs in the early going for the next couple months that we are the most excited about along with some of the other rpgs that are coming out in 2017 then we'll finish with the rpgs that you the listener are most excited about but the first thing I should say is I'm very excited, Nadia. We have a, an audio drop for Persona 5. Oh, sorry, for Persona 4 Golden. <laughs> I want to play for Persona the Golden 5 Report, Golden, eh? but we have an audio drop. Are you ready? Persona! That's just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. We are uh, official. She can't hear it. <laughs> I'm editing it in post, <laughs> but I told her to be excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. I assure you. 
Thanks very much to Tim Smith, who sent me the audio drop. He said, I too have been trying to play through Persona 4 Golden this past year. I'm about 75 hours in, so I gotta finish it before Nadia does. I enjoy <laughs> listening to will. both your thoughts on the game since I pro- took probably a very unwise approach and decided to date multiple girls. Oh, Casanova. The internet, in internet. <clears throat> the internet said it was a good idea, plus I really only have a limited amount of time to play Vita games on my PSTV. I just wanted to see as much game content as I could in this first and likely only playthrough. I love it, but I just don't have time for replays. So there That's you go. That's fair, yeah. I, I understand that, but uh, I can't bring myself to cheat on multiple girls. I like mm, to read too much. Yes, exactly. So thank you very much, Tim. We really appreciate it. And Nadia, how's Persona 4 Golden going? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, we'll put it this way. I just finished up with the the bad, bad, bad bathhouse. Oh, okay. The bathhouse. Yes. The bathhouse. So you actually, you officially wrapped it up and mm-hmm. you have a new party member. Yes. Uh, although he's resting, so he's uh, he's not ready to join me just yet. What did you think of the bathhouse? I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh oh well um when I saw the boss I, I was about, I, I was fighting I was happened to be eating Lucky Charms and I nearly spit it out all over the screen <laughs> right oh my god <laughs> Lucky Charms how suitable but um yeah it was how do I put this it's I really like the subject matter they're exploring there although it probably could have been handled a little more sensitively mm. um speaking as someone who who is generally not really queer uh. Or um, you know, just questioning. Uh, I don't know. See, I don't know if I have much position like you would. But um, like I said, I like the theme. The whole idea of like some tough guy questioning his sexuality and not really knowing what the story is and denying. Like, sure, I, I can get behind that. That's that's a great idea. And if you're gonna put me in a game about fighting your inner self, that's that's a perfect boss, frankly. But then you have like the whole lisp and everything. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's get through this. It's probably the most controversial part of Persona 4. Yeah, I do remember um, just at the back of my mind, a lot of people were talking about this particular event when the game first came out. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's a thing. And I, I just tuned out because I wasn't playing the game at the time. Yeah, I've talked about it on this podcast before with you. Um, I think so, yes. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm not going to go into it too deeply because I actually want to see um, you kind of develop your social links with him and what you mm-hmm. ultimately think of this character. I like him. He, I like him. I mean, he's. Mm. I, I feel for him. Like, um, I I I don't know him that well to be honest. Very like just yet, but. Um, you know, he's obviously conflicted, and he, he's hilarious, even, like, before the whole bathhouse thing, like, just the way he talks to everyone, and, you know, he's such a tough ass, mm-hmm. or he thinks he is, anyway. And his persona is just his huge ass, what is it, like a skull? <laughs> a little yes. reaper thing? Yes. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, Total Thug, who is hiding a kind of more sensitive side, I suppose you could say. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of address that in the game, where they say it's not even a matter of his sexuality that he's worried about. He's worried about like being rejected, being laughed at. Yes. And that's, that's kind of sad. That's very sympathetic. Which he translates into gay panic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The gay bathhouse thing is a pretty over the top. <laughs> all things yeah. considered. Of course, this whole game is a little bit over the top. So just a little bit. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. There's, um, there's an element that comes much later that 
tends to not be as talked about, um, mm-hmm. but hits more, I suppose, on transgender issues. Yeah, and I think I remember a little bit about that. Um, it involves the character, I can't remember their name, that's kind of uh, very waifish looking. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if they're, well, they're presenting as a boy now, and I, I seem to recall there was like a, a lot of controversy around them, So, but I can't remember specifically. Yes, so we'll get to that much later in the game. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, so you've had a chance to kind of go through a full arc I suppose, um, completing another dungeon. Like, how are you feeling about the structure? It's a very unique RPG, that's for sure. I'm really enjoying it for what it is. Um, it's a little more linear than I like out of my RPGs. Mm-hmm. Although, at the same time, it gives you a lot of choice about what you want to do. Um, I have been making a lot of use of the voice, the uh, the online component, where yes. people tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, I made so much use of that. Um, especially when it comes to fusing personas because um, I'm still pretty new and shaky at that. But when you, you can check like other, what other people made in the same situation. So if like a whole bunch of people are making like the Phoenix persona, for example, I figure, oh, okay, that's a good choice. And mm. actually I did make the Phoenix persona and it was very good. Although it just recently got outclassed by, I can't remember what I just made, but uh, I liked Phoenix. Pretty cool looking. You, I, I, I don't remember very well what abilities worked best for me. I, mm-hmm. I do recall that actually uh, it's, it's a little Dragon Quest-y in that you definitely want party buffs. Yes, definitely. I've already, I already have several, so that's good. And you definitely want abilities that will power down your enemies. Mm-hmm. So those are generally really good. <clears throat> and, any, and any group healing abilities. Yeah, I always go for group healing abilities. I'm a very paranoid uh, RPG player. I always have a, a white mage on hand, even if I've played a game a million times and I know the ins and outs. I need yeah. a white mage, damn it. In general, like I, I feel like party healing, mm-hmm. like in a game, like in like any turn-based RPG, is just like must get immediately. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and so, and that's definitely something that you have to really prioritize. In Persona Four, uh, how did you find feel about the difficulty? Were you having a hard time? Uh, was was there like an appreciable bump for you? Um, I had a little bit of trouble with the boss of the bathhouse, but it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. I, I'm doing pretty okay. Uh, I have several elemental spells that hit for that hit everybody, mm-hmm. so that's pretty handy too. Because bosses tend to be accompanied by um, th- with thugs, so. I seem to recall that there is a certain point where there is a major difficulty spike. Mm, mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah, so I, I wasn't sure if it was this dungeon or the next. This wasn't too bad, but if worse comes to worse, there's always... You can adjust the difficulty. Although you might have to start over for that, wouldn't you? You probably would. Would you? I'm not sure. I do know you can adjust the difficulty, but I'm not sure if you can do it on the fly or not. Mm. I'll have to look into that. So what social links have you built so far? Have you been building up so far? Uh, I mentioned Marie. Um, I'm about to go on a date with Yukiko. Well, not a date, but like just kind of hang out with her. Mm. Uh, I've been really hanging out a lot with Yosuke. Yes. Because um, he's really fun. So Ryosuke um, is kind of your... He's a lot like Ash, actually. He is. <laughs> he's like our mutual friend Ash, who like is a presence who is constantly hovering over this podcast. Um, he's like Lilith from Frasier. And I just totally made a Frasier reference. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he's a lot like Ash in that he's kind of like, he's happy-go-lucky, very energetic, um, very friendly. 
um, like works for the local like the equivalent of the local walmart <laughs> juness juness um under his dad and kind of a goof kind of um definitely has confidence issues falls into garbage cans a lot yes he's fun um <laughs> He is very similar to a character named Junpei Iori from uh, Persona 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but Junpei is maybe... Uh, I would say that of the two, Yosuke... Or Yosuke? Sorry. Yosuke is more relatable. And Junpei mm-hmm. is even more over the top in terms of his confidence kind of hiding um, a less confident side. But also being goofy, so... But yes, when they're very say, similar uh, characters. When you say Junpei, the only Junpei I'm really familiar with is from Nine Nine Nine, and I'm like, that's a very dark game. Are you sure you're referencing the right thing? But no, you meant Persona Three. Yes, I definitely meant Persona Three. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I like Yosuke. Um, even though I didn't really use him as much in my party, if I can. Yeah, I- I'm coming to a point where I'm going to have to kick out a party member. I'm unsure who it's going to be. I used Yukiko a lot because she is I'm- really good. Yeah, I'm sticking to Yukiko because she's got healing and uh, a whole bunch of, like, buffs and debuffs and stuff. Yeah, no, like, she is kind of essential for a large part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, I think I had Chie as well in my party for a, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that managed to make up for a nice little mix of characters. Um, and as long as I... So I had ice, and then I had fire, and then I had some physical attacks, and like Chie could like really buff my party pretty yeah. heavily. Yeah, and uh, your party members they can't change their personas, right? They're stuck Correct. with them. Correct. Yeah, okay. you're the only one who can change personas because you're special. That's why you're special, Yay. and everybody loves you. <laughs> even you're though you're so don't say popular, <laughs> even though you don't say anything. Uh, I'll tell you who doesn't like me though is um oh shoot what's his name uh the the inspector I'm living with uh Dojima. Oh, you don't think he, that he likes you? I think, I'm, I'm trying to reach him, but he, he really suspects me because just because I arrived and a whole bunch of murders started, like, <laughs> oh my God, some people. There is that, yes. Um, but you establish a relationship with his daughter, like, right away. Yeah, you do. very She's sweet. She's so cute. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's enough for him just yet. He's, he's giving me the eye. I gotta say. Especially when I try to go out at night. I gotta say that kids in any RPG or any game or any media, especially young kids, can be a really dicey thing. Mm-hmm. But she works so well. Like she does. Her character is so great and so yeah. heartbreaking. She really like she is like I, I she's one of the characters you feel. Uh, what's her name again? Uh, Nanako, right? Nanako. Yeah. Um, you just kind of feel bad for her for, for her for the very start because her dad's never there. Her mom's dead. Total um, heartbreaking, yeah. She's, and her best friend is that stupid Juness jingle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, let's go to Juness. This is great. That was so sad. She's like, Her father's like, hey, uh, I can go on vacation. We can go anywhere. Not that they do, but like, uh, he's let's like, go to I Jeunesse. can go anywhere. Let's go to, let's go to Juness. Like, what, why the hell what? do you want to go to Juness? <laughs> Kids are Poor dumb. little kid. And she, she runs the household, and even though she's like not really suited for doing that, I mean, she shouldn't be. She's a little kid. I would say prioritize uh, your relationship with her. Yeah, I, I'm already working on it because I like her, so that's pretty easy. Yeah, definitely prioritize any social link that you can um, with her because she's important. And it's also like, well, she's sitting there at home. All she has to do is watch TV. And she's like, oh, do you want to like hang out? I'm not going to say no. That's just terrible. 
All right. So you. So the next time, let's see, what month is it for you? Uh, I'm almost done with May. You're almost done with May. You finished most recent dungeon. You're about to add a new character to your party. Mm-hmm. All very exciting. Uh, we will catch up again next week with more Persona 5 Golden Report. Hooray. As, on, on that note, um, we do have an announcement, actually. Um, we got a couple of announcements. Are you ready? I am ready. So first announcement is that Nadia and I are going to start playing Final Fantasy fourteen. We are. We are totally going to throw our way yeah. our time and money. And it's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to join. Uh, so Mike also plays Final Fantasy fourteen, um, and he is on. So we're going to join his server. Um, that way we can have all the U.S. gamer people together. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Bob will be on that server too, um, so that we can do U.S. gamer like legacy group. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, when I played Ragnarok online, I used to be part of a guild that I made myself called a Team Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. So, good times. That'll good bring times. back some memories. I've never been in an MMO guild. No, wait, that's wrong. I was in the Sad Pandas Guild. <laughs> I'm a sad panda. In Star Trek Online. Um, <laughs> in Star Trek, a guild called Sad Pandas in Star Trek. That's great. They were the top uh, competitive guild when PvP was a thing, so. Beautiful. Yeah, it was a lot of fun for a little bit. Uh, and it was a really intense experience being on, um, uh, whatever, TeamSpeak mm-hmm. and uh, trying to coordinate all of the different actions. And, like, it kind of really offered me a window into hardcore rating, I suppose, <laughs> but with a PvP bent. Um, but, yeah, so that's my, my one and only MMORPG guild experience. But I, I think we're going to start playing... I don't know. Maybe we'll like we'll kick things off on Friday. Um, just yeah, like playing good. together, and then once we kind of get into it a little bit and we get past kind of the initial quests, maybe we'll stream. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm just not sure what class to play as or anything like that. I'm very, very overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna wind up being an idiot dragoon. I know that. Like, I I, I'm so. My initial character was a dragoon. I, I, I'm so hot for dragoons, even though they're usually I'm usually terrible at playing them. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you bastard. You know, I'm always like a warrior or something. Mm-hmm. I may just be a black mage. I don't want to be a friggin' mage. I'm sorry. I never want to be a mage, but every time I end up picking like a warrior class, I always regret it. <laughs> I don't like this at all. I don't like this axe. Well, Screw this it just axe. inevitably gets a little boring. I just can watching your that. characters sit there and like slash, 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 uh, pop some abilities. Okay, we're good. Um, it's more fun to set them on fire. That's true. Especially from a distance. Yes. Safe, a safe distance to point and laugh, like run around screaming and flailing. Um, and on that note, I am starting a Let's Play this week. Of uh, Final Fantasy or something else? Final Fantasy IV. Ooh, yeah. damn, son. Yeah. Exactly. How come I'm not doing that shit? Because I am talking about it on Retronauts and I need to replay it. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, man. Let, let, let's do a Final Fantasy IV Blood God, please. Didn't we already do that? I feel like we've done let's at do least another. one Final Fantasy IV Blood Well, let's do another, right? Let's do 10. Let's do 20. <laughs> let's just talk about Final Fantasy IV, five, and six in circles into perpetuity. You know, I, I bet people would like that too. Like they people would care. listen like, to it. I know they I, would. I'm just gonna listen to it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but, and because I, I could sit here and talk for sixty hours about like, well, five not so much, <laughs> but uh, four and six and probably seven. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. 
It's been about five years since I last beat Final Fantasy IV. Um, uh, you know, I'm replaying it again right now, so because uh, <laughs> I'm hopeless. I'm going to play the SNES version, I think. Oh my god, the translation and everything. I know, but at the same time, like, it's the classic. problem is uh, that's the most streamable one. Uh, right. I'm not going to play the PS3 version. I'm not going to play the PlayStation anniversary version because that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the not the complete collection, right? The one no, on no, PSN. no, the one for the PlayStation. Oh, that the, one's terrible, yeah. The one on PSN is terrible. I'm not super inclined to play the the Steam version. Though maybe I oh, could. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that was released on the DS? Because that yeah. one's a very different experience from... It's really hard. It's very hard. It is not a final... If someone comes up to me and says, Hey, Nadia, what, what Final Fantasy IV do you recommend? I would not recommend the DS one if you're a first-timer. It's really for people like me who are stupid and have played the game more times than they visited their own mother. So... <laughs> You know, yeah. I would think about it, actually, but, uh, and, like, I just thought, I was like, well, maybe I should, uh, I don't really want it, though. And plus, we're talking about the classic version for Retronauts, so I think I'm yeah, going to play so, the classic version. Yeah, so definitely go with the SNES one, though. Uh, if you ever do get a chance to play the complete collection version, though, it's excellent. Oh, yeah, that was the one I beat. Try. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was Because I reviewed it. <laughs> did you really? I did. I reviewed it for GamePro back in the day. Oh, man, I remember, gosh, I remember buying that game and taking it on the bus to Otakon, so that was like a really easy 12-hour trip for a change. Hmm. Yeah, Final Fantasy IV Complete Collection, like, the thing that jumped out at me when I played it back in the day was just how, like, how well-balanced it was, but also how linear it was, like, really oh, linear, but also it just cooks, like, in terms of pacing, there's, like, it does. no wasted time. It's It's a lot of fun, so... I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. Um, by the time this podcast is up, the first part should be on YouTube, so you can go back and watch it. And I will be doing it uh, once or twice weekly um, in, through the month. Um, I really want to try and finish it up by the time I record Retronauts, which will be January 21st. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to appear again on Retronauts sometime, but uh, I'm never in the you're area, You're kind of obviously. tough because you're in yeah. Toronto. I mean, you could try <laughs> and like come to san francisco and uh just hang out with us um we'll totally like i'll just totally give you an air mattress um and then you can record on retronauts that'd be cool i would do it heck but uh it's just a matter of bus ticket or i take a really big step or a really big leap oh my god don't take a bus from toronto to san francisco <laughs> that is a terrible no i'd die idea. yeah i would probably die what we need is high-speed trains All right, so it's been like 25 minutes, and we've like just been kind of meandering through this episode, and we got a lot to cover. So We kind of do, yeah. So let's kind of blow through these news uh, announcements really quickly. All right, so first bit of news. No Persona 5 on Switch or PC. No, um, I'm not surprised, though. Not surprised, uh, especially because uh, if such a thing happens, it won't be until like next year at the earliest, yeah. and they're certainly not going to announce anything. Exactly. I wouldn't be shocked if there were Persona 5 port to Switch if Switch like takes off really fast. Yeah, uh, someone on the comments of the story on US Gamer, I think they mentioned that they wouldn't be surprised to see like Persona 5 Golden or uh, something like that on, on the Switch like a year later. That'd be amazing. I'd, I'd buy it, heck. It would be like Persona 5 Darkness, Persona 5 <laughs> Crimson. There you go. Because it's red. Yeah. This is the red one. It's a very, very red game, isn't it? 
just like Persona 4 is very, very yellow. Mm-hmm. It, it drove a lot of my friends crazy when it first came out because they were like, yep, yeah, nope, can't deal. I like Persona <laughs> 3 better. It's uh, Persona 4 is way too yellow. And it wasn't until Golden that they like came around to Persona 4. What color was Persona 3? Blue. Oh, okay. Huh. So we're still ready. We're still waiting for a green one. Hmm, maybe that's six. Uh, maybe. Maybe we'll get a switch. Like, or not a switch. Maybe we'll get Persona Six when I'm like <laughs> in my fifties. <laughs> this rate, Jesus. I'll be like in my four. I'll be like in my mid forties. I'll be like Persona Six. Woo! Oh my hip! <laughs> but the game Don't is even great. say that kind of thing. <laughs> um. All right. Also, no Mass Effect Andromeda on Switch either. Not surprising. Yeah, I'm not too surprised by that either. But again, that's another thing that can change with a special edition or Game of the Year edition down the road. But at the same time, like that kind of speaks to where the Switch is standing already in that mm-hmm. it's just not going to get those mega games. It's just not going to get your Red Dead Redemptions, your Mass Effect Andromedas. Uh, n- not at the outset, anyway. If it turns out no. to be extremely popular, it might get some ports. Yeah, I think people are being cautious about it. And I, after the Wii and the Wii U, I don't really blame them so much. Well, sure, of course, especially after the Wii U. Yeah, especially the Wii U. But um, we'll see where we are in, in, in you know a year from the the Switch's launch. We'll probably know very quickly whether or not it's going to be the kind of game, the kind of system that third parties want to bother with or not. Yes, we will. Um, I I have a good feeling about the Switch, uh, at least in the early going, just because it just feels like there's a lot more hype for it yeah people seem to be a lot less confused by it than they were by the uh the wii u i think we talked about that in a previous episode Um, they should have called it the wii hd yeah probably at that point they may as well have well yeah i mean it was more or less what it was it's like well it has this (laughs) tablet thing but it's not really a tablet and you can kind of take it around your house and second screen ish i don't know like I, i had a friend over and he doesn't really follow game news as closely anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm super pumped for the Switch. And I was talking about, like, Skyrim. But then I was like, but it'll be portable, too. And he was like, oh, yeah, portable Skyrim. That'd be cool. Like, yeah, exactly. Immediate hook, right? Like, yeah. you can, you can kind of do an elevator pitch for Switch, like, really easily. And so you can already feel the anticipation kind of swelling for it. Mm-hmm. And if so, if it gets out the gate really fast and it and it establishes itself, uh, there's no reason to believe that there won't be third parties coming in, especially because there won't be the same gap between the Switch and the PS4 and the Xbox One as there was yeah. between, say, the Wii and the 360. Yeah, that was a huge, huge gap. There'll still be a gap. It just yeah, won't not, be as big. Yeah, like it's... um I. Can't see it being the kind of thing. Well, you remember how in in the the Wii's heyday when you did have third parties, you had really compromised versions of Very. of yeah of third party games on there. And I can't I can see okay a little bit of performance downscaling on the Switch versus you know the PS4 and the Xbox One, but I can't see the gap. I mean, we'll see, right? Um, of course, well, we will see. But um, the fact that, like, I've I've had some friends who know about such things express a lot of concern um, over the Tegra chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, the first generation Tegra chip was not good, so mm-hmm. that might be kind of bad uh, for the Switch." But I mean, we haven't even like really seen the thing in action, so it's hard to say. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, one more our uh, news headline. 
Square Enix theories on why Dragon Quest isn't popular in the West. Nadia, you wrote this one. Um, why? What is Square Enix's theory on why it's not popular? Uh, well, the most uh, one thing one thing they said was number one, their, their localization efforts haven't been consistent, which is true. Very true. Um, you have big big gaps where. Um, you know, sometimes Nintendo did the localization, sometimes Square Enix did the localization. Uh, gosh, I think Enix of America was shut down and was the early aughts, late 90s. Either way, we didn't get, like, Dragon Quest V. We didn't get Dragon Quest VI on the SNES. So they kind of missed a few windows of opportunity. But they also cited other reasons, like, um, for example, the art style might be too cartoony, which I, I think Akira Toriyama is recognizable enough that... I don't know, maybe maybe people do associate Dragon Ball Z with, with kids stuff. I, I'm not sure. I'm not a child anymore, unfortunately, and I don't have any. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I can't really see Dragon Quest being the kind of game that you'd be embarrassed to play because it's too cartoony, but that's just me. Uh, I think what really uh, has Westerners off Dragon Quest uh, versus Final Fantasy is the fact that it, it's a very conservative series. It is, to this day not very different from this very first incarnation. You have your party on one side, you have the enemies on the other side, and you take turns battling. And some people just don't want to do that anymore. Versus, like, say, Final Fantasy XV, where Square Enix is like, oh, okay, we're going to try something a little more action-oriented this time. And yeah, battles in Final Fantasy XV are very fast. They're very exciting. Sometimes battles in, in Dragon Quest get quite boring and grindy, even when even though the newer games, you don't, you don't have random battles anymore. But... Um, the, the fact of the matter is, Dragon Quest has not changed very much since the 80s, and some people are just not into that. Yeah, and Final Fantasy you can kind of sell as a big AAA kind of experience. Exactly, especially after Final Fantasy, well, only after Final Fantasy Seven, because of yeah. course we had six and we had four, and they had their fans by all means, but it was like Dragon Quest. You had a very dedicated fan base, but not a very big one. Well, our our kind of expectations for video games changed with the release of the PlayStation, and at least exactly. console-wise. Like, we came to expect a more cinematic experience. Exactly, and which Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy was, delivered. That was in Final Fantasy's DNA, going back oh, to... Oh, absolutely. Going back to the original, honestly, but also, mm -hmm. like, I mean, you really saw it flower in Final Fantasy IV, where uh, Dragon Quest has always been... Uh, I don't want to call it formulaic, but very heavily reliant on nostalgia. Yes, um, absolutely. It's built on this idea of your parents played this in the 80s. Mm -hmm. You played this in maybe the 90s or 2000s. Mm -hmm. Like, it is part of, like, a tradition. Yeah, and of course, we don't really have that tradition in, in the Western uh, countries because, again, we missed out on some of the really big ones. Like, five was a five was a major, like, a pivotal point in the Dragon Quest series, and we had nothing to do with it when it came out on the SNES. Yep. So, yeah, the Dragon Quest mania never took hold, which means that the nostalgia for the series just isn't there. Exactly. And it's a heavily nostalgia-driven series. Not saying that nostalgia is the only good thing about it. No, of not course not. Not by it, it's any an stretch of the imagination. It's great That's RPG. why. That's why it has such a dedicated vocal fan base is uh, mm. because it's a great it's a great series, and it's, it's always fantastic when people come up to me and they say, oh... I, I tried Dragon Quest because of your recommendation, and I, I loved it. So that's that's always very nice. It's a great series. Indeed. Well, last little bit of news. Uh, the Diablo 20th anniversary patch just went live. Oh, I didn't hear about that. That's cool. Yep. Uh, so you will be able to effectively play the original Diablo 
um, complete with retro like filters and everything uh, <laughs> nice. in your copy of Diablo 3. Oh, wow. I'm actually thinking I'm going to boot that up and see what I think of it and maybe write about it tomorrow. Oh, that would be cool. Um, yeah, God, I, missed out, I missed out on the original Diablo. Uh, my first real experience with that genre actually might have been Torchlight. Yeah, it, it's going to pain you to hear this, but uh, my real experience with that sort of thing was um, on mobile. Like, mm. I wound up reviewing a lot of those sort of hacky, slashy, loot-dropping games, and mm. they were always very fun for hacky, what they slashy, are. Hacky, slashy, loot-droppy. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, yeah, I missed out on a lot of the Diablo, Diablo 2 nostalgia back in the day, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a couple of years ago um, that I got, I really got to knowing David Brevik who was like uh, one of the major designers behind Diablo. And I did a, the oral history of Diablo 2 mm-hmm. um, with the, the Shavers and also David Brevik, who are kind of the, the, the big three behind those two games. And it was really fascinating to, A, <laughs> find out like what a hellish experience it was actually developing that game. <laughs> but also like all of the different ideas that they came up with that still impact RPGs to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like hardcore mode, stuff like Mm -hmm. socketed um, equipment, stuff Mm -hmm. like uh, just the tech tree itself, which was a strategy idea and came into Diablo um, by way of David Brevik. Mm -hmm. So uh, (laughs) a lot of hardcore RPG people will be like, Oh, it's not an RPG. But (laughs) I think it's had so much influence on the genre that like mm-hmm. you can't say that it's not. No, I I would absolutely say it's an RPG, but what has RPGs what have RPGs been except for like cross-pollination of different mm. ideas and genres over the years? I mean, that's games in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. But just thinking about how, you know, uh Japan saw like wizardry and and stuff like that and said, "Oh, hey, I like that idea, but we're going to put our own spin on it." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the original Diablo was very different from Diablo 2, which is mm-hmm. kind of more the experience that we remember Diablo 4. And Diablo 3 is even more different still. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be fun just kind of going back. Uh, the, the thing that I remember Diablo 1 being is kind of more of a straightforward dungeon crawly experience, whereas mm-hmm. Diablo 2 kind of expanded the scope a whole lot and had you going to like different places. Um, and the same went for Diablo 3. So yeah. So yeah, I'm going to play that tonight as well. I got a lot of games to play. You do? When are you doing your Final Fantasy stream again? Uh, Like in three hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll be doing that kind of on, a, kind of on the regular um, whenever I get a chance. But yeah, I'm going to play some Diablo. All right. Nadia, mm. it's 2017. It's Indeed, a new year. We officially made it. We got a whole new slate of RPGs to talk about. Lots of RPGs are coming out. Many, and many RPGs. Kind of like we did um, in our end of year RPG special. Uh, let's do some observations slash headlines for 2017. Let's. And here is the first one. Lots. Uh, number one. There are a lot of fresh beginnings this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny 2. Torment. Tides of Numenera. Valkyria Revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, Kuni 2, Mass Effect Andromeda, Horizon Zero Dawn. And in one way or another, all of these different games um, kind of re- represent almost a reboot of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, they do. 
Because like so, Destiny, uh, Destiny Two, it's um, it's an MMO, so it's gonna kind of be like starting over, right? Yeah, yeah. In theory. In theory. <laughs> uh, Torment Tides of Numenera is basically a reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valkyria Revolution, um, another reboot, effectively. It is. I mean, it's yep. not, it's not Valkyria Chronicles. Nino Kuni Two, very different from the original. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's basically level five, reclaiming the series and kind of making it their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, entirely new series, whatever yep. that's going to be, and Horizon Zero Dawn, entirely new um, franchise. So, on the yeah, one I got hand, high hopes for that one. Yeah, me too. Me too for sure. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit in the in the near term, but uh, it strikes me that we're going to get a lot of fresh experiences this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to it definitely. Uh, especially since uh, with games like uh, I missed out on the first Nino Kuni, so heck, let's try it again. Yes, absolutely. Even though there are a lot of sequels, like they're not just straight up sequels. They're like yeah, kind exactly. Of, they're kind of starting new arcs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that will be pretty interesting. Uh, headline number two: We won't have a feel for Switch's the Switch's RPG impact until 2018. Yeah, probably not. But uh, I have high hopes. Yeah, uh, I mean, this kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. when we were saying that uh, a lot of third parties are going to be kind of uh, playing it cool and seeing how the Switch is doing before, like, really making a strong commitment to it. Yeah, although, um, one who you know, looking back at 2016 as an example, uh, who knows what indies are going to come up with, and uh, mm. that's going to be a lot of fun to see. I think a lot of indies will mostly stick to PC. <laughs> <laughs> for now, for now, for now. but uh, you know, uh, maybe get some uh, some of those on the Switch and uh, portability. Hey, well, if Nintendo's smart, they will put together the kind of indie um, scouting operation that the Sony had. Yes, please. Uh, because the, I mean, they really need those indies to fill in the content gaps, which are going to be mm-hmm. inevitable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, in the early going, especially with triple a games like not really coming to the switch so mm-hmm. yeah uh they uh, for their for their sake i hope they do that but and in general like japanese developers tend to be kind of coy about jumping over to a new system they'd yeah, rather like milk whatever works <laughs> and right now the vita and the P- the vita and the 3ds work yeah they apparently they do we talked last time about how the the 3ds was apparently sold out everywhere and no one was really expecting that but uh there you go yeah, a lot of it seems like a lot of Japanese games now are either are like kind of on a mix of PS4 and Vita. Mm-hmm. The Switch is not that different from those two systems. So no. I mean, obviously I'm not a developer, so I'm kind of talking out of my ass about like how hard it is to port experiences and everything to the Switch. Yeah. But I, um, I've I've heard good things about the porting, so we'll see exactly. So would it be shocking if, like, the Switch becomes a de facto handheld, like we start seeing PS4 and Switch games? Um, I'd be okay with that. It'd be kind of a shame for the Vita because it's such a, you know, cute little system, but... Uh, yeah, the Vita's old now. Poor Vita. <laughs> it's like five years old at this point. I know, and I only just got to know her. Yeah, well, I still play my Vita. Yeah, I've been playing it nonstop do. over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and third observation, and it's still early, so 
Uh, we'll see. But it seems like Western RPGs are going to have a much greater presence this year than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of some examples off the top of my head. Um, well, there's a little game called Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, who plays that? <laughs> I will. <laughs> and another little game which is coming out next month called Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely looking forward to that one, as we mentioned. Yep. And beyond that, you know, there's some really exciting mid-tier uh, Western RPGs like Divinity Original Sin 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Park, The Fractured But Whole. Um, mm-hmm. Like, those are just, like, those are four pretty meaty and big RPGs right off, right off the top yeah. of my head. Uh, I meant to play the first South Park, uh, The Stick of Truth, but I never got, a, I never got around to it because uh, my relationship with, with South Park is very hot and cold. Um, mm. I still think the movie from the 90s is one of the funniest things ever written, but uh, the I show agree. itself. It's hilarious. <laughs> so you've seen it too? Oh my God, I still quote it like an idiot all the time. Especially the, the bit with the Canadians, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> that so is what racist. We, what nobody knows is that Nadia is like actually just like a flapping head. I am totally a flapping head. <laughs> Can't you hear it in my voice? Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but now, now, the Canadian government has apologized for Brian Adams on several occasions. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I When I was living in Japan, I I think I watched, like it was on like season 10 at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think I watched the series like from start to finish um, and like actually caught up like that was like and uh, I counted myself as a fan. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm I guess a little more ambivalent about the actual humor. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Maybe it, maybe the humor doesn't resonate with me anymore or, um, or something like ever like I find myself rolling my eyes a little bit at uh, the political humor in particular. <laughs> Yeah, but when they when it stays away from politics, like um, not to get too far off course, but it is kind of related. Um, South Park was one of the first mainstream shows that really kind of indulged in anime tropes and game mm. tropes. That's and because I think one of them married a Japanese. Uh, yeah, uh, one person? of them studied in Japan. Yeah, um, uh, Parker Stone, I can't remember who, but mm. uh, the the episode where the kids are playing with an- uh, with weapons as anime characters—that's still yes. one of my favorite things on TV ever made. Oh my god, that song was so dirty. <laughs> I showed it I showed it to um somebody I got to know in Japan. Uh I was like I, I showed her that song and like her <laughs> eyes almost fell out of her head. <laughs> she was like, Whoa, that was really dirty. I remember looking at the lyrics and being like, Oh yeah, okay. That that's par for the course. Yeah, pretty much. Um but South Park, the game, uh, I remember that the first one was, it had its fans for sure, um, kind of yeah. short. Yeah. Um, but- I remember someone on Twitter telling me that even if you're not into the, polit- the political humor of the show, the the game itself goes back to kind of the, the non-political humor, just like the kids kind of role-playing. Well, that could be really fun, funny. like uh, yeah. when they get like really nerdy. Exactly. I remember there was an episode where they all dress up as Lord of the Rings characters. That was a brilliant freaking episode where mm. they mixed up the, the Lord of the Rings tape with the porn tape and Butters watched the porn tape and got corrupted so they thought it was like the one tr- the one ring and they're they're trying mm. to return it to the Mount the Twin Towers video store. It was just fantastic. That was a pretty so, funny episode, yeah. So th- they say that the Stick of Truth is a lot like that. Yeah, which I, I, I can know. totally yeah, deal I with. Yeah, I totally saw that. Yeah. 
So if the new game is something like that, I think I will definitely try giving it a try this time and play as a Jew class. I guess we'll find... (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you have a sense of humor about this. You have to. (laughs) (laughs) All of the the Jewish humor, like, um, resonates with you, I see. Oh, yeah, 100%. My dad and I are always quoting it back and forth. Oh, Jews have no rhythm. Shut up, Cartman! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah, that's like four relatively big that's a whole bunch of relatively big ones and that's if you're not counting destiny 2 mm-hmm. which i just play destiny 1 um well obviously that is a big game that cannot be ignored um that gets into the whole what well, is an rpg what is not an rpg blah 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 it certainly has destiny uh, destiny it certainly has destiny elements um, it <laughs> certainly borrows liberally from the mmorpg tradition which itself borrow like goes back to D D. Mm-hmm. um i mean obviously it's a co-op shooter at heart but um there's enough rpg there that it um has grabbed a whole generation of people who normally wouldn't play that kind of game and started picking playing the original destiny and went oh i really like this kind of game mm-hmm. personally destiny bored the living crap out of me <laughs> <laughs> It was very pretty. I liked the um, art style. Uh, yeah, and gunplay okay, was all yeah. right, but oh my god, like it was so grindy. Was Destiny? Uh, I'm I might be mixing things up here. Is that the one with the wizard from the moon? And everyone was joking about that for yes. a long time. Yes, okay, because so. they um had Peter Dinklage. The Peter Dinklage. That's Peter right. Dinklage, who was so moon. bad and phoned it in so heavily that they just went out and like re-recorded everything. Like, they effectively removed him from the, the expansion that came out the next year. That is so disappointing. Not the fact that they replaced him, the fact that he phoned it in. Yeah, like, he might have literally phoned it in. Like, they might have just had him <laughs> doing it over Skype, I don't know. But, yeah, that was where it came from. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll play Destiny 2. We'll, we'll, I'll see how I feel about it. Um, I'm kind of hoping that it's a little more balanced than the first one. Yeah, the first one had some problems with that, as I recall. I think they fixed some of it down the road, yeah. but... Uh, it was pretty infamous at first. Uh, I found it funny how like it was kind of ludicrous because it felt like it felt like Bungie was reinventing the wheel with that game. Mm-hmm. In that they were learning, they were relearning all of the lessons that like Blizzard learned in two thousand five. Mm, so and this was like twenty fourteen. Yeah, there are some lessons you can only learn firsthand, I guess. I mean, I, I suppose, but like just in terms of balancing out the loot, in terms of like when their first expansions were coming out and like how badly they messed up um, the new Mm -hmm. weapons and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that was stuff that Blizzard like learned about way back in the burning crusade expansion. (laughs) So they probably should have done a little more studying, I guess. Yes. Now, just because there are a lot of good Western RPGs coming out this year does not mean that there aren't also a lot of good RPGs coming out from Japan. Of course. And we have, well, um, just looking at the list, uh, Persona 5, obviously a big one. Well, yeah, yeah. Just, just a little bit. bit. Uh, I think we've talked quite a, we've maybe talked ad nauseum about Persona 5 on this podcast, but uh, needless to say, I'm going to say that it is the most important JRPG in the past five years, and that goes for Final Fantasy 15 as well. Oh, that's quite a that's quite a bold claim there. 
Um, but you might not be wrong. I mean, I don't know if you said it or someone else said it, but uh, just that Persona is gradually becoming, especially in Japan, uh, if not only in Japan, just really a lot more relevant than Final Fantasy. Uh, I don't know how well Final Fantasy XV did, but I thought I heard that Japan really didn't like the fact it was open world. I could be wrong. No. I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, it could be that Final Fantasy XV ends up dramatically outselling it. Mm-hmm. I was certainly really surprised by like how much of a splash and how much of an impact Final Fantasy XV ended up making. Mm-hmm. And I, I think maybe some of that was just the marketing muscle behind Square Enix. Could be, but I don't know. I I've, haven't talked to too many people who really... Who, who said, man, I hated this game, whereas mm. other, like, they were like that with Final Fantasy XIII. So many people hated mm. it. But Final Fantasy XV, people do acknowledge that it is flawed because God knows it is, but mm. the, just the dynamic between the boys really saves the whole thing for me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I think the whole open world saved the thing. Uh, yeah. Me. Like, well, once again, we've gone into this uh, at some length already, but... Final Fantasy XV, like, is so many disparate elements, uh, but it ends up holding together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Final else. Fantasy XV's advantage is that it has maybe more of a br- broader mainstream appeal than Persona mm-hmm. 5. Yeah, I would think so. Definitely. But just, I think that Persona 5... <sighs> okay. Maybe I can't back up my broad claim that is the most important RPG of the past, JRPG <laughs> of the like past five it years. It's important to me. <laughs> That's fair. And it's certainly not unimportant, put it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to end up having a huge impact on the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that it is a big freaking deal in Japan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. has a pretty wide audience here in the U.S., I do remember the uh, the reveal that when they that they streamed it, it had a lot of people tuned in uh, on the western side. Absolutely. So um, yeah, how would I say it? Maybe it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be impactful at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like more so than your average Japanese uh, RPG, just because <clears throat> it's going to be on the PS4. Mm-hmm. It's going to look really, really good, mm-hmm. and. All indications are that it's going to be just a ridiculously good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those it, there aren't the question marks over it like there were with Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen. You know, it was it was anyone's game there, so to speak. Yeah, and I went in fully expecting succeed. to be playing a bad game. <laughs> yeah, I had zero interest in the game until I I played a, a demo of it at, uh, at Microsoft's Xbox event in Toronto. Uh, God, it was the summertime so it was just on the cusp of release pretty much mm-hmm. and um i really liked it and i said okay i'm gonna start paying attention now and i did and i didn't regret it mm. so <clears throat> i i do think it's fair to say that persona 5 is the biggest japanese rpg coming out this year yeah that's definitely fair like it is gonna be <clears throat> it's gonna be the ten pole. it's gonna be the big one Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be playing it for the rest of the year because, oh my God, that game is so long. <laughs> I bet. It's going to be like 100 hours just for a standard playthrough. Yeah. It's almost and... as long as SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. My God. <laughs> How many hours have you clocked in on that one? I don't even want to know. <laughs> but I played it pretty much nonstop over the holiday break, and I'm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I still got some. I still got a little bit to go, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, the 
Persona 5, uh, it's going to be a time-consuming game. And unfortunately, people like games as platforms, but in the sense of they like games that continually kind of, they can play as like a multiplayer game, or they like Mm. games that like kind of, they finish some content and then new content comes and they play through that. Yeah. And then new content comes and they play through that. And that gives them more loot. And there's this nice little loop. Persona 5 is like long. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm. It's not like a game where it's like, oh, I'm going to spend like 20 hours playing through this content. And then in a couple months, some another like 10 hour drop is going to show up. Yeah. So it's actually quite a bit like Dragon Quest 7 in that regard, uh, because that was a that was a journey that went on for a while. Persona 5, I think it might be a little intimidating. Yeah, I could see that being the case, too. And it's um, so Japanese. So Japanese. <laughs> well, 4 certainly is. Yeah, so I think a lot of people might be like, oh, it's that really, really Japanese anime uh, game that's like 100 hours long. <laughs> I'm not playing that. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any secrets about what it is, that's for sure. Whereas, going back to Final Fantasy fifteen, no one really knew what to make of it, so... On the other but, hand, uh, when I was talking about like how important it is, I mean, there just aren't that many temple releases for JRPGs anymore. No, there aren't. Uh, I mean, you have your Dragon Quest and your Final Fantasies. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, God only knows what's going on with that. Yeah. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 3 will come out someday. Well. I wouldn't be, sh- I wouldn't be uh, expecting it to come out this year. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's coming out this year. Uh, when we did our top 15 uh, best games since 2000, um, I said Persona 4 was the, Persona 4 Golden was the best JRPG to come out since 2000. Mm-hmm. And I stand by that claim, actually. Um, there are certainly no shortage of good JRPGs, and we talked about them, a whole bunch of them last year. Um, mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Fates comes to mind, for example. But I don't, uh, I feel like Persona 5 is a little bigger than those. Um, and it may just be because I have console bias and the fact that it's a, uh, kind of a big budget game on console, um, tells me that it might have a little better chance breaking into the mainstream despite how weird it is. Yeah. But, um, as you said, given how Japanese it is, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit of a, a struggle to get a a mainstream audience. But on on the other hand, Persona's gradually been building up uh, one heck of a fan base over here so who knows indeed so looking at the rest of the jrpgs that are kind of uh coming out over the course of the year uh etrian odyssey 5 um too bad jeremy Parrish is leaving because yeah that's his game etrian odyssey guy i'm not (laughs) i really liked etrian odyssey 4 um i i'm very intimidated by like the really hardcore roguelike rpgs so i i should really give it a try at least i wouldn't call it a roguelike is it not a roguelike? I thought it was a roguelike. No, it's a dungeon crawler. Um, it's a oh, little different. Oh, okay. Well, those two. They, they also a roguelike would be like top down. Every movement is randomly generated. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, I definitely got confused there because uh, Etrian Odyssey is more of a it's a first person view, as you say, like dungeon crawler. Yeah, it's more where like you go wizardry. Up against, yeah, exactly. Where you go up against like tons of enemies at once. The term roguelike gets thrown around a lot these days, but <laughs> it does. the 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 core of any good roguelike is one um all of the levels are randomly generated which is i don't believe the case with etrian odyssey um all of the items are randomly generated i i.e 
you could pick up a potion and you have to identify it. Like there's an identification game. Right. And it could be good or it could be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Darkest Dungeon was basically a roguelike in that regard. Mm-hmm. And then there has to be permanent death. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Etrian Odyssey 5 or Etrian Odyssey will have the permanent death. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. No, no, they won't have permanent death. You can revive your characters. So it's definitely not a roguelike. Okay. Yeah. So I was completely wrong on yeah. this one. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's just hard, um, and you have to be very patient and you have to be willing to kind of grind. Uh, it's done a lot better over the years at kind of easing you in, in a way that the first couple didn't, definitely did not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's been slowly telling more of a story, um, especially with Etrian Odyssey Untold 1 and 2. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a fan of Etrian Odyssey, so I'm looking forward to five. I really love Persona uh, Persona Q. Uh, when you finish Golden, you might want to check that one out. Yeah, I might. Um, beyond Etrian Odyssey five, Cosmic Star Heroine probably finally coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been expecting that one for like two years now. Uh, it's the basically like Chrono Trigger, but with some other some some other elements. Um, so Valkyria Revolution uh, coming out, I believe next month. Yep, that's uh, that's pretty soon. Shoot, man, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this one. I'm interested to play it, but we'll see. Exactly. Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age. Give, get yeah. our HD remake. Um, that one's kind of flying under the radar. I noticed. It really is, and um, I wouldn't mind trying it because I never got to try. Oh gosh, I have Final Fantasy XII, and my husband's angry because he bought it for me and I never played it. Mm. But um, yeah, I I do want to play it. It looks like one of the more compelling Final Fantasy worlds, and but reactions on it have always been quite mixed. Jeremy and I actually, I will never forget this. The first year that I was seriously working on um, the One Up RPG blog, mm-hmm. um, I was doing this thing called the Monthly Grind, and I, I was that. I was picking basically right because you're on the Retronauts blog, weren't you? Yes. Uh, I was picking a RPG each month and playing through it. Mm-hmm. And one month I played through Final Fantasy twelve. And uh and I remember Jeremy saying in the comments essentially that I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> totally missed like I totally missed the point. I was like, thanks for sharing that in the comments, Jeremy. <laughs> but he's real um uh, uh intense in his fervor for Final Fantasy twelve. <laughs> We all have that one game where we're just like, we will defend it to the death. Yeah, and that is such a Jeremy Parrish game. Uh, But I'm really interested to kind of go back to it because, I don't know, like, I feel like I learned a lot about RPGs over the past seven years or eight years or whatever. And I want to see how I feel about it now. You have, as Laguna would say, expanded your horizontals. (laughs) Uh, and of course, Nino Kuni Two is coming out this year. That's right. Yep. Is it coming out in North America this year? Ooh, that know. is a good question. Uh, if it appears, it appears, and I'll be like, "Hooray!" It sure seems like, like Dragon Quest Eleven and Nino Kuni Two, like they're both coming out this year, but I don't think they're coming out here this year. Probably not. Uh, one thing about Dragon Quest uh, at this point is, even though Square Enix is, acknowledges that you know it does have its fan base here, um, I and they are probably going to try to get 11 over here i don't think the localization is like you know first priorities they the localizations tend to kind of come in slowly for us unfortunately yeah dq 11 might not come out till 2019 i think i'd cry 
Yeah, well, I mean, how long did it take Dragon Quest Seven? Oh, God. <laughs> just but you know, bit. they may prioritize it, because it won't just be a handheld game. That's true. They did work pretty fast on uh, on Heroes 2, I think, so... I think if the Switch ends up kind of being a hit, mm-hmm. um, they may, like, work to strike while the iron's hot and try and get it out in 2018. Well, they'd win some brownie points with me. And, of course, Pokemon Stars, which is announced, which is unannounced, but basically announced. Yeah, although, um, I don't know, I thought I read somewhere that, you know, Game Freak is, uh, they're not sure what they're going to do with the Switch, but they might have been being coy. <laughs> you know, I heard somebody told me, um... That apparently uh, Nintendo was pretty pissed about <laughs> the announcements happen or the the leaks happening when they did. Oh, okay. So because they happened conning. right on top of Sun and Moon, right? And so... everybody's like, "Whoa, why should I buy Sun and Moon? Stars is coming out next year." Okay, so that so... tells me that there's definitely something going on with Stars. Okay, yeah, I, that's a, a little more uh, believable then. Yeah, take that one with a grain of salt. I'm not actually reporting it on the site, but I am kind of reporting it here. That's what I heard. So don't, like, you know, jump out of your boxers when you hear, oh my god, Stars is coming, basically. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Uh, So within the next couple months, we're going to get, like, three major RPGs, Nadia. There's yeah. the aforementioned Persona 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda coming March 21st. Wow, that's, I, I keep, like, I think, oh, such and such game is so far away, but then you say, oh my god, no, it's not. And Horizon Zero Dawn's coming next month. Yes. I am really excited for Horizon Zero Dawn. So am I. Uh, I think that, well, for one thing, it's gorgeous. It is. It's. Uh, I really like the, the animal uh, machine hybrids. I got to play it at E3 last year, and I loved stuff like um, kind of basically riding little bucking robot dinosaurs and <laughs> uh, taming them mm-hmm. with your little hacky thing. Yeah, I can that's that. So you would like tame it and then you could ride it around. I was that's like, that's awesome, awesome right? Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of weapons to choose from. Um, lots of, uh, there is a fair amount of customization and XP. So it's not an RPG in name only, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the only thing that gives me pause is that there are times where I'm like, uh, I don't know, is is Guerrilla Games like actually a good developer? I don't know, because in the past their shooters have not that been have not been that great. I forget what else they developed. A uh, Killzone. Right. Hmm. Yeah, uh, their games are gorgeous, but when it comes to the game game, they can be a little hollow. Yeah. Well, but I guess we'll have to see. Everything I've seen about Horizon Zero Dawn tells me it's going to be a good game. And, I mean, if you played it hands-on and it felt good, that's usually an yeah. indicator that, you know. It felt really good, like, a year ago. Like yeah, six exactly. months ago. So, um, I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, I I will reserve judgment. Um, the story seems okay. I mean, you have a, a girl from a tribe, and she's going out into the wide world, and there are robot dinosaurs, and apparently it's some kind of post-apocalyptic world, and she's making contact with other tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a strong open world aspect to it. Cool. Very, yeah. very uh, Western. <laughs> exactly. It's, I was going to say, you know, with a game like, for example, Skyrim, it's not so much the overarching story as it is the smaller stories within. So maybe it's the same deal. But it's a lot more like directed and linear than, say, uh, Skyrim was. Um, I, I think that they're kind of aping Bioware in a lot of respects. Uh. Um, just in terms of, like, 
I mean, action RPG, uh, but it's not party based. It's only one character. Mm-hmm. So a little bit Witcher, a little bit Bioware, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll find out soon enough. That's for sure. Yes, we will. Um, and of course we also have Mass Effect Andromeda, which I already mentioned. Um, I, the thing that has me hopeful about Mass Effect Andromeda is that a it's a reboot, so we're not kind of following on from Shepard, mm-hmm. which is good because um, I they screwed the pooch a bit with Mass Effect Three. <laughs> that and they're kind of going back to the approach of the original game and making a lot more exploration focused. Mm-hmm. But you guarantee, I guarantee it'll be like, and now there is an, a horrible new enemy coming in who's even scarier than the reapers <laughs> <laughs> which would be like oh good here we go Yay. here we go here again we go. uh but i actually have pretty high hopes for mass effect andromeda even if it's mm, you know a shooter <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so what are you gonna do are you gonna uh, are you planning to play either horizon zero dawn or mass effect andromeda uh, definitely Horizon Zero Dawn, still on the fence about Mass Effect. What is the RPG on the list that we were kind of talking about that you are most excited for that is not named Persona 5? <laughs> yeah, it's a little monkey wrench in there. Did you like Ooh. how I did that? Yeah, you got me there. Um, honestly, probably... Uh, probably Horizon Zero Dawn because, mm. like, are you talking about, like, Within the next few months, right? Like those. No, those no, games. I'm talking about all the games. Oh, all. The I games. sent the big. Oh. I sent the big list, so you yeah, can look yeah. at the big list. Um, while you look at the big list, I will say that the RPG that I am most certain is coming out this year, that I am probably the most excited about, is uh, I'm gonna say Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, yeah, look at, looking at the the big big list. Um, Unless I can guarantee that Dragon Quest Eleven uh, is coming out in 2017 for us, which I don't think it is. Um, yeah, I'm still probably going to go with Horizon Zero Dawn for now. Yeah, uh, Pokemon Stars unannounced. Um, exactly. I already played that. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> I but play it I already played that. I'll play it again, happily. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2, um, I'm kind of interested in. Um, Nino Kuni 2, kind of interested in. Cosmic Star Heroine, obviously. Near Automata might be interesting. Yeah, um, I never played the first one, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the, the fuss is all about. Well, the demo's out, so... Yeah, I should give that a try. If you play the first one, you'll be like, what is the fuss all about? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are people who are like hardcore like Nier fans who mm-hmm. are like, mm, so you could ask them what they think. Maybe I uh, It all comes down to the world is not as you think it is, essentially, and it's really mm-hmm. dark. Oh, that sounds like my jam. I could probably deal with that. Well, yeah, obviously Persona 5, most anticipated RPG of 2017, but Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, maybe number two for me. Yeah, the thing with me is that um, the whole Mass Effect world, I like certain elements of it, but um, I'm just not that into to space and, and shooters and stuff what? like that. What? You're not into space? Come on, Nadia. Space scares the shit out of me, man. Well, I mean, you don't have to go into space. <laughs> you don't have to live there. Oh, thank God. No, just, uh, I don't know. I- I'm very touch and go with sci-fi. I- I'm more, mm. I'm the kind of person you hate who who's like kind of into Star Wars, but not really into Star Trek. 
Oh, yes, one of I those. Do hate those people. <laughs> yeah, you we heard it here first. Cat and Nadia have their big fallout. <laughs> the Beatles are breaking up. Nadia's going to go start her own pod- RPG podcast. It's going to be like Wings. It's it's going to be just me talking about Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy IV for five hours a day. Um, <laughs> you know, I bet there's an audience for that. There probably is, and God bless them all. Um, but the reason I like Horizon Zero Dawn, or am more interested in it, and you know, basically part of the reason why I even liked um, Skyrim over Fallout is just because I, I I don't know, just something about the whole more medieval melee aspect of it, mm. which is a stupid thing to say, I know, because I'm, I usually play as an archer, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not really into guns and, and stuff like that as I am into, mm. like, you know, melee swords. weapons and swords. Yeah. Although, That's fair uh, enough. It, it's funny that Fallout never really grabbed me that much because I am so into nuclear disasters. Really? God, I'm stupidly fascinated by them. Like, I've seen nearly every post-apocalyptic movie you can think of, like, the day after threads on the beach like all of them i know them all like by heart that's funny because so do i are you seriously let's do a nuclear disaster podcast uh especially especially the day after and threads oh fucking thread i shouldn't swear like that but threads just oh god that devastated me then i watched it four more times <laughs> <laughs> okay i definitely haven't done that but i do uh, have a morbid fascination with nuclear disaster um Though it's funny, like, to me, the, the nuclear war aspect of Fallout 4 was always kind of in the, or Fallout was always in the backseat until Fallout 4 when you actually get to see it happen. Yeah, that was great. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen, I can't remember the name of the, the Let's Player, but she, Kylie something or other. She just has a record of herself, like, playing through the first, that, that one sequence where they're running to the Fallout shelter. And she's like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, oh, God, they're gonna nuke my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was very day after-ish it really was they were like going about their lives but the newscast uh was happening in the background mm-hmm. and I, I really i really enjoyed like those first opening moments of the game i thought it was it was well done you could like hear them talking about like you know china getting its like into a, a huff and russia this china that america that and then it all went to shit Report, Nadia and Kat have reunited over and, <laughs> and bonded over a discussion about nuclear disaster films. We're back, everybody. Acts of the Blood God, 2017. It was, it was a little touch and go there for a while, but we, we made up. Yes, exactly. All right. So we already said what our most anticipated RPGs of 2017 are, though we didn't even talk about Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm changing my answer. Twenty-seven. That's my most anticipated for 2017. Somebody like who was listening to this just like totally facepalmed and was like, finally, Jesus, oh, yeah, they, they you've been totally talking about shit. this for talking for an hour and 10 minutes about stuff I don't care about. Get and to the Zelda. When are you no, going to get to the Zelda fireworks factory, damn it? <laughs> when are going to get to the fireworks factory? No, that's totally my fault because I'm trying to blank out Zelda because I don't want spoilers, number one. Number two... I can't deal with the, the, the fact that I'm not playing it now, so I locked it up in my heart, and I'm just waiting for the day I can release it. I, I'm i reserving judgment. I don't know. Like, what I played at E3 like gave me pause, because I wasn't sure like how I felt about it. I'm really, I'm really hoping like the event next week for the Switch tells us more, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, especially with the new trailer. Have you seen that? Uh, the new trailer of Breath of the Wild? 
well, it was it was new ish. Uh, it it kind of gave us a little more, a few more story elements. Hmm. So yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. It it seems to be like one of those kind of mess about in a really barren world, um, and do whatever like craft and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't kind think of it's a, that barren. almost like a survival game, but without the survival. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> We will see, but uh, the, the thing with the whole people saying, oh, it's an, it's an empty overworld, there's only so much Nintendo wanted you to see, so I can buy that. But I, I, I'm basically trusting Nintendo to give us an open world with something to do in it. Indeed. All right, so let's talk a little... So um, I asked our listeners, as always, what their most anticipated RPGs are for 2017, and here are some of the answers um, on the Twitters. We have at Chocho... Comacho, <laughs> more than anything, Persona Five Zelda is a close second. Um, Millennium OS, Operation Sports Guy, actually um, likes sports games. Scalebound, Divinity: Original Sin Two, Valkyria Revolutions, South Park, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Breaking Bad Fur Day, I like that. <laughs> that is a good handle. Mario That's and great. Rabbids. Oh, Does that count as an RPG? I don't know. Am I being trolled? I know um, that it, it probably exists, but... At a tweeting twit, uh, that would be Steve Tramer, who's been on the podcast before. Persona Hello. 5. Uh, Etrin, edit Odyssey 5, and if it's an RPG, near Automata. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say it's an RPG. At uh, Shonuff 1, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5. Um, some comments about near Automata for sure. Um, at Johnny2900, despite negative reactions, I'm looking forward to Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS. I also look forward to the Kingdom Hearts 3 speculation this year. It's not coming out. <laughs> no, but I'm sure there'll be speculation. And yeah, I should give a shout out to uh, Dragon Quest Eight. Um, really hoping my review copy arrives soon. I already guarantee that it is not coming out this year. What, Dragon Quest Eight? No, Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, oh yeah, that's I, I would hang my hat on that one for sure. Yes. So yeah, uh, call me call me in a year. <laughs> call yeah. me in a year if it's out. Like uh, if it's out, you can be like, okay, whatever. You um, might have a release date by then. It might. It might. Maybe. I just don't have any like confidence whatsoever that it's actually going to come out. Really, you think it's going to be vaporware? Sure. I mean, it has been to this point. Uh, fair enough. I mean, how long has it been in development? Years. Uh, this- this is Square Enix. We're I feel like about, practically my whole career it's been in development. <laughs> Holy shit, I think you're right. Because, I mean, it's been teased in one way or another for years and years and years. I, I don't know. Um, at Daniel Fox, uh, Persona 5, Tales of Brazeria and Dragon Quest XI. Uh, Brazeria mm. might actually be good. I'm going to yeah. play it. I, I put myself down for the review so I can play it. Nice. Um, at English Nigget, uh, Trails in the Sky the Third, of course, that one's coming out this year. Uh, Near Automata, Cosmic Star Heroine, and Dragon Quest Eleven. One can dream, right? Yeah, yeah, you can dream. You may as well. Indeed. Um, so yeah, we got a fair number of people who are excited about stuff like Dragon Quest Eight 3DS, which I know you're excited for, Nadia. I am, and I should also uh, mention that I... I am sort of, if not excited, I'm definitely curious about Scalebound. Um, mm. I know it has the that protagonist that everyone looks like needs a kick in the ass, but mm-hmm. 
I, I like the idea of like a dragon and a human, you know, teamed up and fighting. Because I'm a stupid dragon lance nerd, so I I, I will definitely give it a, a second glance. Yeah, uh, at Jody Anthony said uh, that he's looking forward to Dragon Quest Eight 3DS, um, or they are looking forward to Dragon Quest Eight 3DS. Um, they also said, I also feel like I'm the only person looking forward to Final Fantasy XV DLC. Yeah, I, I am. Rest assured, I am definitely going to play whatever we get. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. So that is what everybody is looking forward to. Did we miss an RPG? I mean, you can yell at us for not talking enough about Zelda, I suppose. You may as well. Go uh, ahead. We deserve it. Send it to cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Um but yeah, so no, that's our 2017 preview. And well, there'll be a lot of RPGs to play as usual. I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, I'm sure there's stuff that has not been announced that will be announced later on in the year. Mm-hmm. And we can, um, I'm looking forward to being surprised. How about that? Yeah, me too. Definitely. Um, because stuff comes from the crevices all the time. Man, I can't wait for pocket card for another pocket card jockey. Man, I would like play the shit out of that. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean like pocket card jockey too. I mean like something that is as like, as weird, surprising, and wonderful and exciting. Yeah, yeah. Just those, those little those little games that blindside you. More of those, yeah, please. It's so good. All right, Axel Blood God is a U.S. gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Stitcher and everywhere that RPGs are sold. Uh, do me a favor and drop a review. Um, rate us. Uh, the more visibility we get, uh, the happier the blood god is. Yes. Um, so please go and leave us a re- review and rating and a piece of blood god. Um, we will be back, of course, next Friday as always. Um, you can find us on all of the social medias Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, etc. Um, go check out our Final Fantasy IV Let's Play, which should be up by the time you listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, one other thing, uh, Nintendo, uh, sorry, not Nintendo, uh, Jeremy just kicked off a pretty neat little uh, column that he's going to do every Wednesday called Design in Action. Mm-hmm. And this week is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yes. He's going to continue doing that through the rest of the month. Each week, he's going to do a, another update. So if you want, like, the most ridiculously, insanely in-depth um, <laughs> article about Castlevania, like, series about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, well, you're going to get it. And, uh, by the way, speaking of Symphony of the Night, uh, there is a Dragon Force song called Symphony of the Night that's about Alucard. So listen to that sometime if you want, like, you know, a really good, cheesy song to you know, exercise too. Yeah, in our Slack channel, Jeremy like goes, "Oh yeah, my my castle. The first part of my Castlevania art, uh, series is up to four thousand words." Yep. <laughs> I'm like, "What? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jeremy, pace yourself." He's like, "Yeah, I sliced out fourteen hundred words. I'll put it into another piece." And that's just like how Jeremy operates. He does. Yeah. He's he just goes full bore. Yeah, the the man cannot contain himself, and you know what? I respect that. Oh, 100%. I, I respect anyone who can just produce like that. Yeah, he's going to be uh, doing this over the course of many months. And we mm-hmm. have a bunch of games that he's going to be doing uh, that I'm very excited about. So Yeah, I'm glad he's us. still sticking around in that capacity. Me too. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to have him continuing to write for us because he's one of a kind, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. 
when he write about he writes about the stuff that he knows like there is nobody more knowledgeable yeah but yeah go check out the site for that um is there anything else that you want to promote nadia uh i just put up a column uh that uh, about uh 2017, like anticipating what comes next for uh, Nintendo's mobile strategy. So mm. I thought that was kind of interesting. That, that's me speaking about my own writing, though. So <laughs> it's up to you to judge. Yeah, and Nadia, you're back on the editorial side after being I on am... Guides. I mean, congratulations and welcome back. Thank you. You get to be in the news grind instead of the guide grind. Guide. <laughs> instead of the guide, guide grind. Guide grind. Yeah, it, it's all good. It's all good. Whatever lets me write the words and gets the monies. Indeed. All right. Well, it's a new year for US Gamer. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us on the show. Tell your friends about Acts of the Blood God. Uh, share all of the RPG goodness with them. We're going to be doing a lot this year, and it's going to be an even more exciting year for Acts of the Blood God. Mm-hmm. So let's get started, shall we? Till then, I've been Cat Bailey, and for Nadia and myself, we'll see you again next time. Until then, happy adventuring. Thank you.